Dreamscape presents In Zanesville by Joanne Beard. Copyright 2011 by Joanne Beard. This audiobook was produced with permission of Little Brown and Company. Read by Joanna Perrin. The wind is rushing after us, and the clouds are flying after us, and the moon is plunging after us, and the whole wild night is in pursuit of us. But so far, we are pursued by nothing else. Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. We can't believe the house is on fire. It's so embarrassing, first of all, and so dangerous, second of all. Also, we're supposed to be in charge here, so there's a sense of somebody not doing their job. I told you to go up there and see what they were doing, Felicia says. I told you to go up there, I reply. We've divided the kids up, three each, and two of hers were upstairs playing with matches, while the third and all of mine were secured in the backyard. The smoke isn't too bad at this point. Basically, it smells like a campfire. We still can't find where it's coming from, although the third-floor bathroom is a pretty safe bet if we listen to Renee who is accusing Derek of setting a toilet paper fire in a wicker wastebasket. There is no sign of Derek anywhere. He set the fire and moved on to the next thing. Renee, loitering in the hallway, had played Barbie until the last possible moment and then gave up when the smoke began swirling, calling out, Fire! in an annoyed voice. He said if I told, he'd murder me. She trilled, loping down the stairs and out, eluding us. We've been babysitting for the Kozaks all summer, five days a week, eight hours a day, six kids, Derek, Renee, Stuart, Wanda, Dale, Miles, and various other easier-to-control creatures, a tarantula, a python, a rat snake, some white mice, and an elderly German shepherd with bad hips who lies in the dirt next to the doghouse all day, licking his stomach. We each get 75 cents per hour which doesn't sound like enough when we're here, but blooms into an incredible bounty on the weekends when we're lying around trying to decide how to spend it. Almost a dollar an hour, accumulating slowly and inexorably in a revolving series of gagging diaper changes, nose wipings, placing of buzzing flies in the tarantula's terrarium, assembly line construction of bologna cheese mayonnaise sandwiches, folding of warm laundry, chipping of egg crust off the vinyl tablecloth, benevolent dispensing of snow cone dimes, helpless shouting, appalling threats, and perusal of their porn library. We are 14, only three years older than Derek, who is the oldest of the Kozak children. Derek isn't much work because he disappears for most of each day, showing up only when the parents are due back home, which is fine with us. He won't mind He cusses, and he once threw a handful of worms at us after a rainstorm. The other five kids range in age from one and a half to nine. Some, in fact, claim to be the same age, although none of them look even vaguely alike. We can't figure it out. But then again, we don't try to. 
Man, are we in for it, Felicia says, panting. We're evacuating the pets. She's struggling with the smaller snake aquarium, which houses, along with the python, the python's furniture. A bent log, a plastic bowl, and a rock for the mice to hide behind. The snake, a young albino, is gently probing its ivory nose at the jumbo box of ice cream sandwiches we've put on top to hold the wire mesh lid in place. I've got the tarantula cage under one arm and all seven white mice, which are riding in a pillowcase. Once outside, I go through the gate, past the semi-collapsed garage, into the alley to where the sticker bushes are, set the pillowcase down, and give it a poke. The mice nose their way out and disappear into the bramble. The mice just escaped, I announce to the kids as I come back through the gate. Wanda ate gum off the fence. Dale